If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. Do you remember that advert? I thought you were going to start singing about anal there for... No. For, this, is, this is where my mind goes as soon as I get on this podcast. Heavens no, you dirty, <laughs> dirty boy. I don't remember this advert, but can I hazard a guess what biscuit this might be? Oh yeah, you can take a wild shot in the dark on this one. Take a wild shot in the in the d- dark. Is it penguin bars? No. No? What is it? It's club bars. All right. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I can see that. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. And the club was also named after the club, so it was a club club. Oh. Do you have ho- chocolate hobnobs in the UK? Yeah. Oh, we do have, yeah, yeah, we They do, ship yeah. them out to certain grocery stores out here in the US as well, so every now and then I get myself a chocolate hobnob. Nice. Um, but I was just thinking about the old club advert. Oh, Club bars were really nice. I, I don't know if they still exist, but I used to really enjoy a nice nice mint club bar, maybe an orange one if I was feeling fancy. They do exist because I went um, and ordered uh, and imported the gold <laughs> club bars, which were like these yellow ones that were lo- lovely and tasty. Oh, the sort of white chocolatey ones. They are so nice. Yeah, and they've got the little, the little cracker wafer in the middle. Yeah. The trouble is I, I can't get chocolate chipped to Mississippi. Because by the time they got to me, there was no club. There was no gold. There was only sludge. If you like to not be fired when you do, well, join our club. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, this, week's, this week's been a mess. Much like those chocolate bars that melted in the post, it's a bit of a mess this week. A bit of a mess. If you like to organise your bloody workforce, join our club. <laughs> Is this your way of getting people to unionise in the games industry? Yeah, I feel like if I can in- incentivise it with club biscuits, <laughs> then the workforce will get organised. So you could, but the problem is you can't get the club biscuits to you without them melting, so you can't use yeah. them as unionisation rewards. Yeah. It's fucking wacky in the United States. Suggesting organised workforces, suggesting unionisation over in the UK, at least before Brexit happens... Not all that controversial, really. Yeah. Not that yeah. controversial. There are people that complain about it, but it's not It's not a life-or-death controversy. It's not a, if you talk about this, the world will end. Over here, you can see how the fucking big companies, how, how big corporate America, mind, rah, 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 have done an excellent propaganda job. They have smeared the concept of employees looking out for each other so fucking effectively. People will argue against unionization, against their own interests. It's incredible. This week, this week workers get rights. Next week, you're Venezuela. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? Yeah. I've, se- I've seen Venezuela brought up so much in this as if, you know, people having a bit of job security is going to change the dynamic of the country as someone who once joined a union when i was in a a a very big franchise job that was treating its workers like shit it helped us a lot and it got us out of a really shitty situation and the company couldn't do anything about it and that was great (laughs) yeah you know and it's not it's not like we were we were looking for like massive pay rises or anything we just wanted to be treated properly that's all i think that's what most workers want yeah they want they want to be paid enough to live on and they want to not be overworked, underappreciated, and jettisoned at the slightest excuse. Yeah. All the while, major fucking executives are raking in tens of millions of dollars in salary to say nothing of their bonuses. It's 
fucked. You know, it's almost, it's like something out of a, a really dark parody sketch, this news story. Like, well done, everyone. We made our uh, best money ever. Now let's fire the people who made it for us. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's literally like something out of a fucking dystopian sci-fi movie. <laughs> I just don't know how you're in a situation where you're making more money than ever and still apparently losing money as well. And also how that's not the fault of the fucker in charge. But but that's because we, we, we didn't make as much as we thought we were going to make. Like, so, someone brought up the story recently uh, uh, with all this stuff going on. Do you remember that two years in a row, Awata took a pay cut because Nintendo yeah. didn't yeah. make as much money as they expected? And they were like, oh yeah, no, we're not going to like fucking cut stuff. I will take a pay cut because I am the person that told the company to go in this direction. I've been yelling about that from the rooftops in several videos lately. Um, yeah. Iwata took the fall because he was in charge. The captain went down with the ship. That's how companies should work. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, if a person was doing good enough work that you were happy with their work, and then the company doesn't make it its share recommendations for shareholders... That should be on the CEOs who say, this is what we're focusing on. Especially when, in Iwata's case, he took a 50% pay cut and was still doing plenty fucking all right for himself. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, living in a box. Fucking Bobby Kotick could take a a 50% slash in pay and fund more than one studio. It's ridiculous. If you've just joined us, if you've just joined the Comrade Comedy Hour, right? Um, we're talking about Activision Blizzard uh, telling its shareholders, well, Bobby Cotton especially, telling his shareholders uh, that they've had record revenue, but they're not doing well enough, and therefore 8% of the workforce is being fucked off, roughly around um, 800 employees being let go and this is after months of employees at blizzard and other studios at king at high moon uh, in the esports stuff of course wondering wow. for months whether they will have a job which to me ain't the best environment in which to create what we still cling on to as art in this industry because publishers haven't quite dismantled that idea yet as much as they want to People have been saying that um, I've, I've gotten a lot of welcome comrades this week because I did a video um, basically just outlining the problems at the core of the system beyond shitting on EA, which is easy and fun, and I will do it forever. I enjoy doing it. They deserve it, which is why I enjoy it. But to understand why companies like Activision and EA are the way they are, we have to look at the environment they operate in. This isn't happening in a vacuum. And you can be a big fan of capitalism if you want. But you've got to accept there are serious issues with it. This is why uh, I completely stopped engaging in this conversation, by the way, on social media. Because people don't seem to realize that you can enjoy capitalism and its benefits while also having bottom lines that people don't fall below. Yeah. It doesn't. If you If you feel like, you know healthcare for all and stuff is you know that's communism you know <laughs> then that you're you're very far off the line there are countries all over europe that do this and they're fine they're capitalist countries here's the, here's the thing like honestly i would be okay with capitalist country where we say hey if you like billionaires no one needs to be a billionaire like a billion a billion yeah a no billion dollars it. or a billion pounds it blew my mind when someone put it phrased it to me this way if 
you had a billion dollars in cash. And from the the day 1st of January 1 AD until now, you burned a thousand dollars every day. You just lit it on fire. You'd like you did that for 2000 plus years. You'd still have like a quarter of a billion dollars left. Yeah. Like you cannot feasibly spend that much ever. Well, it's one thousand million dollars. Yeah. I'm not gonna like get into the ethics of not allowing people to be billionaires, but on a very base level, I'm just like no one needs to be it. Having a system where the people who like do something unique and new and work really hard get rewarded more than other people, fine. But like uh, having a bottom line that no one falls below isn't gonna prevent that. And it doesn't prevent that. Oh yeah, no, I, I've, I've, I've become a big old lefty in recent years. Like to the, like I was always very lefty, but I've gotten to the point like financially lefty now, where I'm now just like I don't know how you can't. I don't know where how anyone places themselves anywhere on a spectrum anymore. I said you can't follow the game industry as long as I have and not turn out to start really hating capitalism. Oh yeah, no, the the idea of just like put us like. America is currently suggesting the idea of a 70% marginal tax rate on earnings over $10 million. And I honestly go, yeah, you know what? If someone's earning more than $10 million a year, fuck it. They can give 70% of that to make sure that people can afford to have a place to live and not die from illness and to be able to eat. The conversation about that is being so skewed anyway. Because people are saying now, it's people are trying to make it out if you make $10 million, you'll only get $3 million. That's not how it works at all. <laughs> no, it's, if you make, if you, if you make $11 million, uh, that, that final million, that million that went over the 10, you'd lose 70% of that, but you'd still have 10 million, which is, like, for the year, which is more than anyone needs. Yeah, yeah. literally nobody needs that much. Yeah. Unless you've made some severe gambling mistakes. <laughs> Unless you, like, owe a load of, like, Russian banks money or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. And these, these, they don't. They don't. Um, but, yeah, like, people have been very welcome, comrade, or very, you know, fuck off dirty commie this week, acting with surprise. Yeah. It's like, you've, if, you've, if you're surprised the Jimquisition went there, where, where have you been and what have you been paying attention yeah. to? Because I've been very deliberately ramping that up. Like, I've been building towards this, and not subtly, it's very obvious that this is where it was. It was. I was laying the fucking groundwork. If you've not picked up on it, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Watch Michael Bay films because he's got no subtext there whatsoever and you'll be fine. I can't believe you're bringing politics into my video game story, which literally is affected hugely by politics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw someone on Twitter... Um, Recently, um, I know someone tweeted a comment to this week's Jimquisition who was like, well, I don't know why you need to suggest unions or everything. They'll mess everything up. It's too political. What we should do is boycott them. <laughs> and the point to that yes, is, that so you're, you should collectively join in some sort of like union of people to try and affect a company. Uh. Okay. Aside from the fact that the last time gamers united to boycott something, they all ended up playing it anyway. And considering the fact that you're suggesting a, a roundabout way of what we want. The most famous example of that also involved Activision. It was the Modern yeah, Warfare yeah. 2 boy Modern boycott, 2. where the yeah. entire group, there was a screenshot of the entire group of them playing it on launch day. <laughs> oh, yeah. And boycott if you want. I'm not saying don't, I'm just saying... If you think that will work more than any idea of organized working, like organized workers, 
you haven't been paying attention to any history whatsoever of both unionization and video game boycotts. Boycotts don't do shit. They, they really don't. I don't think they do. Like, I, I respect anyone who wants to do it. And, yeah. you know, in theory, it's a, a nice idea that everyone will just turn their back on a company forever. That's never going to happen. It'd be different if that was a company which was very, which was selling games which were um, very ingrained in kind of the gaming culture and whatever. A boycott might work now on a, a company, say, like... Uh, I don't know, like FromSoft, you know? A smaller company, yeah, yeah, for sure. For Activision, who sell games to basically people who wouldn't be as invested in the hobby, is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, 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 I think so. Like, like more more casual gamers, they don't give a fuck. People who really don't know what's going on, yeah. Yeah, they don't know and they don't give a shit that, like, you know, people got laid off from from Blizzard, so, yeah. you know. And his, even a successful boycott is less than a band-aid. Because that doesn't fix the underlying core problem. I'm not suggesting anyone ever boycott FromSoft, by the way. <laughs> oh, absolutely not, no. I was going to make a joke about how you could effectively boycott Mike Bithell, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend people boycott Mike Bithell, who's a lovely boy. Oh, he's, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's a nice boy. I'm just saying it's it's possible to do it. We should have him on here. We, we should get him on here at some point. Yeah, we should. Why have we not had Mike Bithell on here yet? I... I, I don't know, but um I must say, my favourite chat about butts that I've ever had with anyone was one with Mike Bithell, in which he described how Thomas was alone, the game, its entire narrative arc, uh, basically makes the shape of a butt if you plot it out on a graph and explain oh. to me how that's the case. He's a lovely boy. <laughs> nice. <sighs> Mike Bithell and Simon Miller and Dodger. They're my, they're my three wish list. <laughs> we, we got some people we do need to get on at some point. Yeah. Um, I could absolutely bring Miller on. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be up for it. He owes me anyway. I've been on his podcast twice. <laughs> Miller's great. He's a, he's a lovely lad. He's a fun, fun dude. Um, also a professional wrestler, an actual, a, a real proper trained one as well now. Not like me, who's this weird thing that just hangs around at wrestling promotions saying, can you let me talk in front of the nice people? Pretty good metal musician as well. Oh yeah, yeah, very talented man. His old, uh, old, old Millers. Um, yeah, get him on at some point. We're, we're fifteen minutes in. Should we? Should we? Should we? We talk about video talk, games. Let, yeah. Should we? Should we? Should we talk about video games? Do we well, want to talk any more about that? We sort of did. Do we want to talk any more about that story? That's not us just going. Please, d socialism or democratic socialism <laughs> or not commu not capitalism. Can we do like something in that category? <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got. Monday is coming, as it always is, yeah. and I've, mm. I've got words to say about more words on top of what I've already said here and in a video and on Twitter about the layoffs and the down with the bourgeoisie, drag them through the streets, drag them through the streets on velvet guillotines in front of Parliament. I'm just saying, right? Bobby Kotick should be stripped naked and paraded <laughs> through the street. Where people can throw eggs and bread at him. I'm I'm just saying, if he didn't get a bonus this year and some people got to keep their jobs, maybe that would be a more fair thing than than what occurs in capitalism. I'm just saying Bobby Kotick should be stripped naked and thrown into a pit in which there are five flies, house flies. The size of dogs, and he has to fight them barehanded. 
If he manages to pull the leg off one of the flies, he's allowed to beat the other flies to death with that. Bobby Kotick is like if Fred Savage turned out evil. Bobby Kotick should have his skin replaced with wood and he should be made to walk around <laughs> with all of his clothes stripped off, introducing himself as the human tree. Bobby Kotick should be sat in a room and forced to listen to Maroon 5 all day long every day. <laughs> <laughs> While playing Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> With everyone using one-man army noob tubes. Now, Bobby Kotick should be fired. Just straight up. If you fuck up that badly, you should be fired. Not people who had nothing. Not people who worked fucking hard to bring all that fucking revenue in. Yeah. That you spunked up a fucking... Why? What, what actually... Did they actually give a reason why they were letting people go? I mean, if they're doing... What actually happened here? What was the reason? Activision Blizzard's value, despite making record revenue, their value was halved, which it could only do. It could only drop because they grew from ten to sixty billion dollars in value over six years, um, because of microtransactions and loot boxes and all of the other thing, all of the other schemes. Yeah. They, like, along with many other companies, ballooned to uh, levels of unsustainable growth, and they are now hitting the upper ceiling of what their current get-rich-quick schemes can do for them. So yeah. now they're still raking in record amounts of money, but spunking it up a lamppost somewhere. So they're jettisoning stuff, even though the people in charge have steered the entire game industry into a friggin' tree. Yeah. The problem with shareholder-based businesses is that very often they're looking at... Um, the expense of the number of staff compared to the growth of the business, as opposed to the expenses for the amount of staff versus the total income of the business. Yeah. And if the business isn't growing, they don't want to justify having that many staff, even if that many staff is a very profitable number of staff to have. Yeah, And, and this is all working as intended. Bobby Kotick, in the eyes of, of shareholders and investors and that, has done nothing wrong. He's doing everything right. Even though in any reasonable situation, he'd be the one having to shoulder some burden off this. Hmm. This is all the system working as it should. This is all normal. And that's how I push back against this, because I saw people defending this. All like, Bobby Kotick is just doing his job. He's supposed to tell people he's making lots of money, and he's supposed to get rid of people uh, to keep making lots of money. And that's the issue. People shrug and just say, well, it's layoffs. We get those every month. It's normal. It's part of the business. It shouldn't be normal. It is abnormally normal. Capitalism is fundamentally fucked and we're going to exist in it whether we like it or not. Welcome to Podquisition. I'm just saying, if you want to engage, if, if you want to stick up for it, if you're a big fan of capitalism, okay, fine. But at least understand, at, le at least appreciate that it's like nuclear power. You can use it but too much of it, and you'll fucking die. Jim, Jim, how can you be critical of, 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 um, of capitalism when you live in a society? We live in, we do live in a society. <laughs> we do live in I'll, a society. I'll grant the floor that. <laughs> Folks, we do live in a society. I regret to inform you that we live in a society. Ah. Uh. <laughs> oh dear, burn it down, start again. Actually, we don't need to burn it down because the very same system that creates uh, major layoffs in the game industry also creates holes in the atmosphere that will burn us all anyway. So, in effect, capitalism will burn itself down given enough time. It's a waiting game. We'll all be dead by then, but it's still a waiting game that will be won. 
It's alright, everything's fine, because I spoke to Peter Molyneux this week, and um, he's he's changed, and everything's better, and he's he's learnt his lesson, and everything's good now in the games industry. Yes, let's talk about Peter Molyneux, the man who can't stop. Yeah, yeah, so, I'm going to talk about this for a minute. Yeah, go um, for it. The day after we recorded last episode of Podquisition, I went up to Guildford for a series of articles I've been doing for Kotaku UK recently, and the whole idea is basically go to bits of the UK, talk to people who develop games there, be like, what's the development scene like? What What's it like to make games here? It's been a really fun little thing, and I went to Guildford, because it's probably the UK's place that, like, go back, like, ten years, it had all the big studios, you had like EA Brightlight, you had Crytek had a really big presence, Lionhead were there obviously, and I ended up sitting down to chat with old Peter Molyneux over at 22 Cans. Oh Laura, you've made that mistake before! <laughs> so, here's the thing, last time I spoke to him, you might remember, was about four years ago. It's almost four years to the day, I think mm-hmm. it's four years to the day when we record this episode. Uh, and it was where I, I talked to him after the goddess thing, and he said he was never going to talk to press again. And I was really surprised when he agreed to chat with me, because I like at the understanding I had going in was, we're not here to promote any particular game he has, it's just to have a look around the studio and talk about Guildford and his 30 years history there. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll give it that. I'll tell you what, Laura. I'll tell you what, Laura. So far, listening to this story... I believe him. I'm sure that that's exactly what happened. So, so, I get that. I had, I, I left my my chat with Molyneux really quite positive. Um, I spent forty minutes chatting with him, and he didn't, he didn't tell me, he didn't, he didn't use it to promote his his things he was working on. We just had a really good chat. That at the time, you know, having having the conversation. Seemed very sincere. Like, to his to his relative credit, I will say, in the last four years, he has done a much better job of not talking about his products before they are released. Um, the only game since Goddess that he's really put out there is The Trail, and he didn't talk about it. It came out. He did one brief round of press to go, yes, it's out, here is, here is the answering your questions. And he went quiet again. Which is why I kind of tended to believe him when he was talking about, like, you know, I, I've, I've realised that um, I, you know, can't keep doing this anymore. And I get home. I get home from that interview and I receive an email from another outlet basically going, like, didn't know I'd gone to speak to him. This was just an email they sent around to a bunch of people, like, under embargo about a thing they were going to put out. Yeah. And they basically went, hey, I, I might as well say who it is. You can, you've seen it now. It's Red Bull Gaming. They had a... a... Red Bull Gaming? Yeah, Red Bull Gaming of all the places. The energy drink. Yeah, the, the energy drink have a gaming site. I did not I did not know that was a thing. It is a thing. So they sent an email being like, oh, we did a video interview with Molyneux that's going up on Monday. I was like, oh, okay, let me read more down this email. In which he shows off footage of his upcoming game Legacy. And I was like, Sad. huh, huh. So I email the per- my contact to 22 cans and I'm like, so is is this new game coming out Monday? Because that's when the footage is happening, and he's he spent forty minutes telling me about the importance of him not talking about or showing his games till they're released. 
So I assume this game has to be coming out Monday, right? Yeah. And the answer I got was, nope, it's coming out late in the year. And I was like, oh. Fucker. Oh, no. Fucker. Oh, no, Peter. You've just spent 40 minutes telling me that you're not going to do this anymore. And I literally hadn't got home yet from Guildford. I hadn't made it home from visiting him before that 40-minute chat wasn't accurate anymore. It's peak Molyneux. It's peak Molyneux. It couldn't have been any weirder, because, like, that whole way home, I was like, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna give him... I'm gonna give him credit. He's... He, his actions do back up what he's saying. I'm willing to believe him. And I get home, and I'm just like, oh. Oh, no. No, Peter, no. He can't help himself. So, like... I, I want to be fair to Peter, and I know I'm monologuing here a bit. I, I will stop talking in a minute. Um, To be fair to him, I don't think what he did with Red Bull Gaming in isolation is actually a problem. He showed a little bit of footage of a game, didn't go into any detail making promises about what the game would be. Uh, from what I can tell, he has shown footage of things that are already implemented and are fairly stable core features of the game. This isn't him making wild... This this doesn't appear to be him making wild promises about an unreleased thing. Now, obviously, we'll, time will tell if he does that between now and release. Yeah. We talk about him and lying like one would talk about a recovering addict. That that's a kind of a good analogy. In that, if anyone else did this, I wouldn't I wouldn't bat an eyelid. But it's only because this. The fact that it happened, like, I hadn't even made it home from talking to him about how yeah. he wasn't going to do this, that it felt like a off-the-wagon moment. It felt like, ooh, ooh, are you sure you're alright having just that one and stopping? Because if you're going to have just that one and stop, that's fine, but I, I, I'm I, not sure I trust you to. There's, I mean, there, there's, there are few people in the industry who we treat like this, who... A, gets the chances he's gotten, and B, every time he's not fucking around, it's all of this, well, it's very impressive. He's not done anything naughty for, like, ages. Oh, wait, he's been naughty. Well, he's not going to be naughty tomorrow. Well, yeah, and that's the weird middle ground I'm in, is... And, and there's one other thing I wanted to bring up that... I didn't realise during the time talking to him, it wasn't really until I transcribed the, the interview that it really came up. Because as 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 is kind of known about Molyneux, he's he's just a very charismatic person. As much yeah. as I, you know, went into talking to him with my guard up, like, looking for stuff. Um, one thing I really didn't notice until I transcribed his interview is how much he uses language to distance himself from culpability for the actions that went on around the the, the goddess fallout um yeah there is one like i will again i will be be fair and balanced here there is one point in the interview in which he does actively say i've made some really stupid mistakes i fucked up like he he actively sure. says that once well the contrition makes the lies more believable yeah yeah but the problem is is Every other time, and I think I, I blocked out like five examples in my feature, every other time he talks about not talking to the press anymore, the way he talks about it talks about shifting industry trends and the world changing, and mm -hmm. he almost makes it sound like nobody in the games industry at all hypes up their games before they release anymore. Like, yeah. he talks about it as if 
the whole world, like, every gamer decided that they didn't want pre-release hype anymore, and as such he had to listen to world trends, rather than, no, you very specifically promised things you didn't deliver yeah. and it pissed people off. Well, I mean, he also admits there, implicit, you know, in, in an implicit way, that he hasn't changed at all. The world's changed, and he's trying to adapt to survive in it. Yeah. But ultimately, he hasn't changed. Like, just just pulling up a couple of examples of things he said. Um, I think promoting your games or exposing what your game's going to be while it's in development—that's just not the world we live in anymore. Because of the nature of the uh, because the nature of the world has changed and forced me to stop talking to journalists. <laughs> like, this is the kind of language what he uses. Idiot. That I'm sorry, that's an idiotic fucking statement. It's wrong. And it's shifting the blame away from himself. Yeah. Uh, that circle we used to see just doesn't really exist anymore. Um, the public don't want to hear about games before they're released. It's just a lot of language that, in hindsight, like, here's the thing. I might not have even picked up on this had it not been for me knowing while I transcribed it that this this news was coming. But yeah. it really seems like his Actions have changed for the better, I won't deny that. He has stopped doing... Like, in four years, he hasn't done the things that pissed everyone off, but I'm not convinced he understands why he had yeah. to change. I'll also argue as well, he's got less of a platform than he used to. Yeah. It was a lot easier when he... The world hasn't changed. He's just fallen out of the industry where he was more allowed to get away with his shit, where lying and hype and PR... A rule, f every, every rule is off the table, and you can say whatever you fucking like to sell, however many million units you need to sell. He's out of that world now. He hasn't changed, and the world hasn't changed. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't want to, like, make it sound like my time chatting to him was completely pointless. I think there were some really interesting bits of conversation I got to have with him. Like, all of this said and done, he's a 30-year veteran in the industry, and... He had some really interesting insights about the the ways that you interact with different audiences within the within the game space. He had some really interesting insights on the local development scene. I felt like I had a really like I got some really interesting stuff out of chatting to him and there is stuff to learn by reading some of what he shared. Yeah. But I just I find this man fascinating in that I I struggle to know what to make of him. Yeah, I'll tell you what I make of him. And I'll, I'll grant you every praise you've got for him. He is smart. He is very charming. He's really good at choosing his words. Yeah. And he's got a very disarming personality. Yeah. So did Ted Bundy. <laughs> and I'm not saying I they're the same. <laughs> I'm loath to be too harsh on 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 him at at this second. Like there there is a time to be harsh to him, and I think I think he deserved every bit of very very harsh criticism he got oh, yeah. over Goddess. I think that uh, it's difficult. I'm I want to acknowledge the places where he clearly has improved, but I can't do so without acknowledging that it's... It seems more like an accident than an actual understanding of what the problem was. Yeah. 
I also wonder, especially with his continued behaviour, how much he's actually learned and how much the other people around him just muzzle the fucker. Just be, they're just telling him, like, no, you can't talk about this game. And then he gets, you know, because he's in charge, he gets to present it as, I'm choosing not to talk about it. Here's, here's the thing. I, I get the feeling that maybe that isn't a huge amount of it. I, I do believe him when he he talks about the differences. Like a a thing we talked about while we chatted was the difference between while he was at um at Microsoft, uh, there were a lot of people at Microsoft actively pushing him to the front, wanting him to be front and center because he was a known name and that was his job. His job was to be that front and center face and. To a degree, I, I, I'm willing to believe him that that is something that may, I, I don't doubt that he loved it, but I also don't doubt that he maybe didn't expect to end up there. Right, yeah. Like, a, a, an interesting thing is since Goddess, he has, he's gone back to being more a part of the development team from what I can tell, like... He no longer spends his days shut away in the big boss office elsewhere. He's now just coding at a desk in the the open plan room where everyone does their work. I'm like, there are certain things I see where I'm like, I be- I believe you. I believe you that you have you probably are a bit more in touch with what's going on in your company now by virtue of not having your whole job be sit in an office and make your game sound great. But yeah. It's it's a weird one. There we go. That's that's my big lengthy rant portion <laughs> of the podcast done. <laughs> yeah, I realise I'm being very harsh on him, but he just he blew his last chance as far as I'm concerned. It's totally fair to be harsh. I don't begrudge anyone who is that harsh to him, and I I am not opposed to being that harsh to him. If like if he ends up having another fuck up of that level, I will be just as harsh as I was as I was before. Oh, sure, sure. But I. I want to believe that there has been some positive change with him, even if it is very much muddied. He's cl- he's not made a clean path to to yeah. progression. But um, and the judge told Ted Bundy he'd happily have him practice law with him. I'm d- I'm not saying it's the same thing. That feels feels a bit of a harsh comparison. It is. A it's, little I'm bit. being deliberately misbehaving. Yeah. I don't, I don't. I just want to say for the record, I do not think Peter Molyneux is the same as Ted Bundy. <laughs> so there are uh, some key differences. Video video games. Who been playing what this week? Gav, what have you been playing? Oh, hi. Sorry, I tuned out there. I was like, I know. I thought I'd bring you back into the into the mix. We we were getting into cancel culture there almost for a minute. I'm like, nope. I'm 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 not saying anything now. <laughs> this this episode has had a weird energy to it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's been a good episode, but... Yeah. So, Gav, what you been playing? I have been replaying A Link to the Past, and that's about all I played this week. Ooh. Some, uh, some lovely, lovely nostalgia. That's a game that's very easy to go back to and just pick it Isn't up it? and have yeah. a good time with. I will say, though, it's not as easy now at 38 as it was when I was a little bit younger. <laughs> I've noticed that my both my patience and my ability to play the damn thing have gone down a lot. Oh no! Yeah, but um, I, I've I've never died so many times playing it as I did this time. How how long has it been since you last played through that? 
Because I, I know I go back to it every couple of years, I think. Uh, I've re- it's been a couple of... Yeah, I played it on an, em- an, an em- emulator a couple of years yeah. back. But uh, this... I have to say as well, uh, the Super Nintendo uh, controller is awful. Oh my goodness, it's so painful on your thumb. I really <laughs> like that controller. Really? I just yeah. get... Re- I get a red thumb after using it because of the little indentations on the the thing i much prefer my i i'd love to play this with an xbox controller <laughs> that's fair um yeah. if if you ever find yourself wanting to replay that game with a little bit of change up to it hmm. i really enjoyed a little while ago um you can find a randomized version on pc of a link to the past where it's set up so that it'll be completable you yeah. will be able to get through it but items will appear in places that aren't where they normally would, so you end up having to do the game in different orders to make progression. Oh, yeah. Sounds interesting. It's, yeah, it's it's been an interesting excuse to go back to that game and have some surprises again. The way they did the progression in this game is absolutely genius. Oh, I gosh, when I yeah. when I think of how old this game really is, and I feel like it it was really the pinnacle of two D era gaming. Like if you if you look at the few Zeldas that came out after it, like the first 3D Zeldas, there's so much jank in those. But Link to the Past has zero jank because it was really it happened at the time when the developers at Nintendo had just become so good at their 2D yeah stuff. It's, it, it's honestly a thing you saw across the board going from 2D to 3D. Like, yeah. We we'd we'd reached like ah here is here is 2D we've got that nailed and yeah. then 3D was this very messy world we're jumping into of like we don't know what we're doing but we know it's the future. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, I mean it it took a long time for them to work out what to do with cameras. Yeah, and with controls and and how mm-hmm. to fight and stuff. But um, I just like it, 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 this game is just such a classic. It's still my favorite Zelda game, and I I sometimes wonder if that's because of nostalgia. But when I go back and play it and see the way it's designed and the way the visual language in the game teaches you without having to even give mm. you tutorials, the way it shows you secrets subtly, but enough that it makes you feel clever for finding them. But the game did show it to you, which yeah. I think is an amazing trick. You, you knew where it was, but you didn't know how to get to it. Yeah, even 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 that like genius... Uh, way they just have these little things that look uh in if you're in the dark world and you see a pattern of stones and you go oh maybe i'll try using my mirror in that pattern and see where it brings me it'll bring you to a little island in the light world where you have a a heart you know and that's i just think all the little things in the game like that are so clever and and it really rewards you for exploring you talking about this has just reminded me that i need to go back to a link between worlds at some point because that was really good as well like that was a good one yeah i i was surprised like decades later getting a sequel to a game this beloved i was Mm. impressed that they did such a good job of making it like hold up to its original game i got halfway through that one and lost the fucking charger for my my (gasps) ds that game game needs like a a switch port soon yes i would play the fuck out of that on switch yeah um i have to say though right there's one moment in a link to the past that on every time of the like 15 or so playthroughs it's drive driven me absolutely fucking nuts and that's the maldron fight it's in the the first um it's in the temple where you get 
the stone that brings you into the dark world and mm. it's that thing on the platform that's going around at random and it knocks you into the holes or off the side and yeah. you have to start oh, the whole yeah. fight again oh my god yeah. i was raging so hard at that yeah. bastard <laughs> Uh, you know, you know what old Zelda game I went back to recently, and I'm currently trying to play through. Minish Cap. Uh, no, that is a fantastic game, though. I do love that, and I want to go back to it soon. I just like saying Minish Cap. Minish Cap's great. It's a great phrase. Um, I went back and played Zelda too. Oh, oh yeah. Um. So that game does not telegraph what you're supposed to do well at all. That game, <laughs> no. like, I am amazed that that franchise survived Zelda 2 and didn't die right there. That game is, is NES-era difficult as well. Yeah, it's it's the kind of game that, honestly, I've gone back to it with um with a walkthrough, and I'm just like, tell me where to go, because this game does not explain to me properly what I'm doing, and it doesn't make exploring rewarding, but <laughs> I've had a lot of fun with it, dot, 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 except for fighting the Dark Nuts, because they fucking suck. <laughs> they are just, put your sword up and down and mash the attack button and hope you get it in the right position to, to get around their shield. It's, like, I like fighting Dark Nuts in Zelda games. Not in Zelda 2, I don't. Oh, stupid Dark Nuts. I usually love them. Oh, boo. I love them in, all, in all the 3D Zelda games, I fucking love them. Fucking Dark Nuts. I just like saying Dark Nuts. <laughs> Um, uh, I think, I think, I think as well though. Like, A Link to the Past is such an important game for me because it was the first time I ever felt really drawn into a video game world. Like, I yeah. played Mario and Donkey Kong and all the ones that had come out, but there was never a world like this before in in video games that you could. Yeah. It was so immersive and just the the feeling of amazement and freedom i remember feeling when i first played it like i don't i don't even remember how was i i must have been about 14 or 15 i think when this i don't know what year it came out but just being amazed by it completely amazed i remember spending hours glued to a game boy advance sp oh yeah because it came out for that as well was it slightly changed on the game boy i think they maybe altered a couple things like they just gave yeah. a few things an overhaul i think um, but it's been many, many years. But that was the version where I really was like, right, mm. crack knuckles, get really fucking into this. And I got really fucking into it. It just glued to my SP constantly. That's a good little system. I, th I think that it's undeniable that it, like the Zelda series has been that for a lot of different people just because like in a lot of generations of hardware, Nintendo have been like often the first ones to go, here's your big well-designed like open world adventure thing go explore the world like, yeah every generation has had a classic brilliant zelda game and eventually yeah. this generation will have one too <laughs> um i for me it was ocarina of time ocarina of time was the was much like you gab it was the first time i really got myself lost and immersed in a video game world where i was mm. like that that's the game i remember going I want to play video games a lot because of this. I, I missed it at the time, so... For me, it was Gremlins 2 on the NES. <laughs> that game had a brilliant soundtrack. Gremlins 2 on the NES, fucking great. A Link, a link to the Past, Oblivion, Fallout 3. Those were the life changers mm. for me. And Mass Effect and The Witcher, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's... Uh, even, even the way they... Like, I was talking about the visual design language and even the difference between the... Um, the difference between the different areas 
it's probably hard to appreciate it now, but at the time there'd never been such a beautiful, like like it, the way it has the desert area and the lakes and the forest. And I just remember sitting there being amazed going into the forest when, at, at how the shadows of the trees were layered over in parallax over the over the ground. Because this game just did so many things that no other game had done at the time. And it, it is kind of probably hard to appreciate it all now. Like, uh, but... Oh, it was just such a masterpiece, you know. And it was the first—I think it was the first game in that era I ever finished, despite its length, because the others were all too difficult for me. <laughs> it, it got that balance very well, I think. Oh wait, no, um, I did, no Mario Three. That Mario Two actually—that uh, was the first one I finished. Then Mario Three. I never finished Super Mario Brothers One. Can you believe that? It's just too fucking hard for me. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, Jim, what you been playing this week? Um. I was actually reminded that I've been playing a couple old games because I, I every now and then I will sporadically check out the NES, uh, the NES emulator on the Switch, the official yeah, one. Yeah, um, that's what got me in Zelda too. <laughs> yeah, because Nintendo will drip feed one or two games onto it when they remember it's there. Um, <laughs> and I I jumped in and uh, Ninja Gaiden was on there, and so I've been playing a bit of the old NES Ninja Gaiden. Very good game. Wonderful soundtrack. Speaking of difficult games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank Christ for the safe feature. <laughs> yeah. I got no shame about it. Yeah. I got no shame about it. I got nothing to prove. Save states, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I will enjoy that. Yeah, well, it's a different era. And, and we've said this before in the podcast. The games in that era, the first console games, were designed with the same philosophy as the uh, the coin games yeah. and arcades and that like you there were deliberately that hard to make you keep pumping coins in and the console games at the time kind of forgot that yeah they were coin eating games without making money out of eating your coins and they were yeah. quite short so they they compensated for that as well oh yeah, yeah yeah um you'd get your yeah money's worth buying it because you'd basically play level one so many times yeah um that, that's how <laughs> games were um yeah. but yeah they got they got there's a Kirby game out this week, isn't there? And Mario Brothers 2 are out for it. Yeah. Just I said this would happen. I said fucking drip feed every bloody time. By the time the Switch is ready to be replaced with a new console, they'll put Pokemon Snap on it like they did with the Wii U. Here's, here's the thing. At the time we record this, today there's a Nintendo Direct happening a few hours after we record. That's true. I would kind of be surprised if we don't hear hints about Super Nintendo games coming to this. Purely nice. because they recently said that... um. They had fewer people than expected sign up to the uh, the Nintendo Switch online service. It wasn't a great value prospect. No, and we've already seen that like NES controller icons exist within the Switch's firmware. So I yeah. I reckon that's probably a, maybe not this direct, but like I I reckon sometime soon they're just going to flick that switch to try and get some more online money coming in. It would be the way to do it. I mean, N yeah. Nintendo is sitting on top of a of a gold mine of old classic games across many generations, if they put a Netflix, even if it's just for Nintendo properties, even if they can't get third parties on board, if it was just for Nintendo games from way back when, that would do very well. A Netflix style, you know, sign up for this, get your online play and get access to this robust library. If the library is robust, a drip feed like this is pathetic. Give me Snezflix. Snes, I love it. Snezflix. I love it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Just, just let me have all of the... Because Super Nintendo is where like 2D games like really got good. Yeah. G give me Snezflix. You know, I've said um, 
a couple times that I, I genuinely think the, sni- uh, the Switch, I was going to say the Snitch, the Switch <laughs> is, the Golden Snitch is one of the best consoles ever. Might actually be my favourite console. Wow. Now, due to the era I'm in and, and sort of the, when I got really super into games, PS2, was, and, and I think that's fairly standard. A lot of people would say the PS2 was one of, if not the best consoles out there. Mine, mine was the Xbox 360. Yeah? Oh, I could see that. I could certainly see that. I really loved the, the Wii. The Wii was great. I loved the Wii. The Wii was hey, the a Wii lot of was, fun. was very yeah. good. Very good yeah. system. I mean, most of them are good. Um, but the PS2 really stood out to me for its library. The Switch stood out to me for just getting like a lot of really good games from other systems ported onto it, which I know it's gotten some shit for, but then it's also got some great original games as well. If they whack SNES games on there, then that might be the best console. Yeah. Might be the best system I've ever had. Yeah, like, that's that's the shot in the arm that, like, is so easy for them to do and will just print some money for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's... The balance it has between independent games and your big AAA games and your ports and the potential of Nintendo's online service. Mm. That's the... That's the missing ingredient of all of this yeah a a, 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 an online service with a value prospect people want to buy into um you know they're they're not like me who end up just buying so many switch games that they've got enough of those reward points to just throw at the online because that's how i did it and i i think a few other people did it as well i saw articles of, of people just saying just use all the coins for that um but yeah like if if they can make something better than online play, which people had already had for a year prior, so it only looked like taking something away. Um, and they were, you know, in exchange, it was this less than a handful of NES games when we can be bothered. That's, it's not a good fucking deal. Um, mm. Even at 20 bucks, it's not that great a deal. And it doesn't look like a good, that's more important than whether or not it's value. Does it look like it's got value? No, because you took something away and sold it back. And yeah. what you added on top wasn't very good. So they got a, f- they, they do have to fix that. Just on that topic, um, Super Mario Brothers 2 is an unfairly maligned game. <laughs> is it maligned? I think a lot of people don't like it. They felt it was really weak or whatever compared to the others. But I really liked yeah. it. I thought it was cool. I know, I'm looking forward to popping it on and, and playing it this week. Can someone explain to me what Doki Doki Panic... Like, what does Doki mean? Because I'm having a hard time connecting Super Mario Brothers 2 to that, like, weird dating thing that came out. What does Doki Doki mean? I don't know what the term actually means. Let's let's find out. Oh, it's... it's Okay, it's a Japanese word that refer, refers to the sound of a heartbeat. Ah. So, so, like, Doki... Doki. Oh yeah. The, yeah the, so Doki, it's sort Doki. of onomatopoeic in in Japanese for for Oh my god, heartbeat. I love that. So That's amazing. The, the, I I assume the connecting thread there would be oh no, I need to do the platforming really well. My heart is beating yeah. versus Doki Doki Literature Club which is I'm going to fall in love. My my heart is beating fast. There you go. Uh-huh. There, there you go. Is I've heard the phrase do like the term Doki Doki so many times over the years and I just took it as red. Just, okay, it's called Doki Doki. It's from Japan. It means something. And I just, in my cultural ignorance, never bothered to find out what Doki Doki is. I'm glad I know now. Yeah, because it was, it was mad confusing last year when everyone was talking about Doki Doki Literature Club. And I, I presumed it was like 
something to do with Super Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> and discovered very quickly it was not. <laughs> no. Uh, that That's what a cursory Google search tells me, and that sounds legit to me. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, I've been playing a shitload of Apex Legends as well. Just more Apex Legends. Mostly Apex Legends. Doing at least a couple rounds a day. Sunday, I treated myself to most of the day playing. It's a pretty alright game, that one, isn't it? Honestly, like I went from and my first. I'm I'm probably going to do a second impressions video because my first one was, you know, this is a good game, not standing out to me too much, but it's very good, very well put together. I am now like play. I, I every time I'm not playing it, in my head is going bow 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 because I hear it so many times. Um, when playing the game. So, yeah, I'm pretty hooked. Like many live services, I will probably not stay hooked. Um, but I'm very much like Fortnite and Warframe before it. I'm Right now, I'm into it. And I even... I went as far as um, supporting it with the Founders Pack. Mm. Um, that's the most and least I'm willing to do while loot boxes are still in it. Uh, I still felt a little shamefaced doing it. But at the same time, I do believe in putting my money where my mouth is. And I'm like, if there's a good free-to-play game... I do believe in myself supporting it. I don't think mm. anyone's obligated to. Um, so that was my concession I made. Um, and it is a game that, like Fortnite and Warframe before it, I would probably be throwing a lot more money at it if I felt like the, the economy in it wasn't, um, you know, first of all, if it didn't have gambling in it. And mm. if what was on offer was all that enticing, which it isn't really... Um, the stuff on offer on in their store isn't all that remarkable. I think I'm about... To fall into that that obsessive play loop. The only thing that kept me from falling down that rabbit hole already is I had a big game I wanted to finish first. Gotcha. I've I finished that Kingdom Hearts 3 this week. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um I really enjoy that game, and surprisingly, I think it made more sense as it got closer to the end of its narrative. Yeah, I was going to ask, is is the story like a great partner in that when you finish it, keeps sucking? <laughs> um, here's the thing. Maybe, maybe two-thirds of the way through, I stopped being quite as critical of that plot, because it's nonsense. Like... I will never not find it funny that a heart can live anywhere, even in data. Even in data. Um, but once once it stopped trying to set up all these new threads, and like, it got to a certain point where it kind of turned, and it was like, oh, okay, I know who these three protagonists are, I know who these three are, I know who these three are. Each of these three sets of protagonists kind of follows the same group of three structure. Here is the villains. Let's go fight a big bunch of anime villains for a while. And it it followed enough, like, well-known JRPG tropes that even without some of the minute detail knowledge of what was happening, I could understand the emotive beats they were hitting. And I got really invested. I got really into the end of that game. And then I, I saw the ending and where it was hinting at, season, uh, at Kingdom Hearts 4. And I finished that game and went... Ooh, ooh, I really like what they're teasing for, for a future Kingdom Hearts game. I would play another of these. It's uh, a new story arc, that whatever next one they do, isn't it? Like, they finally wrap this one up after 20 years. So, spo trying to stay, like, pretty spoiler-free, they wrap up this story arc, and they suggest that the structure of future games might be quite drastically different. Like, 
the implication is that you might not be going to Disney World in whatever the next one is. Oh, shit. I thought we'd finally get to play as Donald's hat. It suggests that we might be going to a different collection of worlds in a future Kingdom Hearts, and I'm kind of excited about that idea. That's going to be difficult, because Disney owns fucking everything now. <laughs> what? By the way, what the fuck are Disney... Why are they letting EA destroy Star Wars games over and uh... over? Why do EA still have that... I mean... <laughs> Uh, Disney laid it out. Bob Iger laid it out quite plainly. And again, the root cause is, you know what, folks, the big C word. Um, It's a low investment for them to just let EA do this and they will see money off it regardless because the investment's so low. And EA is massive, so they are... They can trust them to at least like bring in money, and it's better than rocking the boat and putting in effort and risking things finding finding something else. Basically, they they can trust EA to play nice corporately with the the brand guidelines, and if anything like releases and isn't received well, all of the flack really falls on EA rather than on Disney. So it's it's a win win for Disney. I think EA should lose the Star Wars license. I've made. A big argument for that. I did a whole Jimquisition about that. Um, I think it's embarrassing. I think it it should have humiliated EA if they were ever capable of shame and humiliation. Um, But unfortunately, Disney can quite comfortably let them do it because, again, they very few resources on their end, and they more or less said it. Um, So it's it's a case of it's making money. Why should we fix Mm. it? It's such an easy proposition as well to make it a single-player Star Wars game. The lore is all there. The world building is all there. You know, it's and I'm I'm not even a huge Star Wars fan, so it doesn't bother me personally. But I just think there's so much potential there for the people who do care about it. You know. Yeah, it's short-term gains again. Like EA can run the future credibility of Star Wars into the ground, uh, but so long as the money's being made right now, they don't care. Mm. But yeah. the, like the last, well, I, that's probably very naive of me. The third of the big movies is coming out next year, this year. Mm-hmm. And after that, you know, there won't be quite the same peak, you know. Oh, no, no, yeah. EA completely dropped, completely dropped the ball, even if they had, you know. And that suggests they had the ball in their hands to begin with. It doesn't seem like they even picked it up. Also, like, don't doubt the fact that episode 10 is totally going to come out, like, the year after. Like, I don't doubt that they're just going to, like, <laughs> this trilogy ends well and people are positive about it ending. They're going to roll straight the fuck into the next trilogy. Well, we'll get a fucking IG-88 story before then. Oh, yeah, 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 sorry. It's, it's cultural relevance in its revival was at a peak, like, what, maybe three, four three years ago i suppose yeah yeah that's when they should have put out an amazing single player star wars game they knew enough to know that they would rush out an inferior star wars battlefront game that soured everyone yeah in time for the force awakens then took their time with the second one but fucked that up so colossally they became a laughing stock and then they cancelled two star wars games and are now trying to rush one out for 2020 they can they cancelled the good ones yeah well yeah they cancelled the ones that sounded the most interesting for sure yeah. um considering as i've said several times star wars is a narratively a strongly narratively driven series and they focused instead on just laser gun fights basically mm. yeah which you know there's a time and a place for that for sure but uh well yeah 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 but it's not the only time and place like it's not only a time and place for that 
Yeah. But EA seems to think it is because, of course, they want to do something that can guarantee the money in perpetuity rather than just making a game and selling a game, which yeah. apparently is just too unreasonable a demand from an entitled gamer like myself. I was looking, trying to find if there was anything about if Anthem has a story this week. Um, <laughs> but uh, Mike Mike Gamble said there's uh, actually a lot of lore in the game, so that's encouraging. Well, as long as it's in the game, I'll I'll be interested. The issue for me will be how it's presented. Will you know? Yeah, yeah. Because the fact that I've only ever seen quotes talking about the lore of the universe and not the story suggests that we're probably dealing more with here is a codex, read up a bunch of stuff and. L- Rather than, like, actually having a story presented so much. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Like, the demo didn't give me anything to hang on. It didn't give me anything... I've currently got no reason to care about the world of Anthem. Mm. No reason at all. I know about the gameplay now. I know nothing about why I should give a shit, except for those meerkat lizard things that scurry (laughs) about the map... Those I am completely invested in. Isn't the Division Two coming out this week as well? Uh, I know that's a. I think it's about a month away. I think it's oh, uh, mi- middle of next month. But there um, is some other game coming out on the fifteenth. Metro Exodus. Yes, yes. That's coming out. Isn't Metro Exodus coming out like on the twenty second or something? Oh, maybe it is. Maybe I messed that up. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure Far Cry is coming out in like the next couple of days or that might have been where i got mixed up yeah oh no 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 metro 15th yeah really uh yeah metro and far cry um out the same day well oh my gosh oh my i gotta get my shit together that's <laughs> that's my big game of the winter metro yeah yeah and anthem hanging out around the same time february's chock-a-block and probably some games will suffer due to that and it won't be the people in charge of actually releasing these games on the date that will suffer as a result of that just to bring this back around i just went looking for metro on steam and i forgot that it's not a it's not on steam is it it's a no timed exclusive not unless you pre-ordered it before a certain date yeah yeah you see this is the thing right i can definitely understand how people were upset about that one because when it's there and then it's not there that like if it had been an exclusive from the beginning yeah be like yeah but when it's there and then it gets taken off i feel like that kind of was it was the wrong way to handle it yeah not the best way to handle it but you know it's not an excuse to abuse developers so you know well no i mean obviously yeah like if you're going into the harassment thing f off um we've we've had to say it many times unfortunately and i'm sure most of our audiences are not doing that and i like to i certainly hope not um but yeah, they handled it poorly. Um, at some point, I need to do a video on Epic Store. Um, there's a lot to pull apart there because mm. you've got to factor in Steam's history of incompetence, yeah. what Epic could bring to the industry versus what it might take away um, if it starts divvying up games um, and, and essentially acting as just an added inconvenience to the player without any additional benefit. There's there's a lot of things. Um, and you've got to be careful, because certainly for someone like me who's criticised Steam for so long, and it's complacency, and complacency is often a, uh, a, the result of a lack of competition, a lack of having to care. Um, 
you know, I've criticised things like the Metro Exodus thing, and it's then very easy for people to reply with, oh, I never never thought I'd see the day that Jim would defend Steam's monopoly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to take time for me to really carefully uh, talk about my feelings on that stuff. Because it's complicated, you know? I gotta say, though, I can't fucking wait to play this game. It, it like those those are some of my favorite games ever, and I, this one looks like it's it's going to be even bigger. And I hope so. I don't I don't know if it'll be better with the the linear thing suited the other two, so I'll have to see how it works out with the more kind of open. Yeah, I just I don't need more open world games. I've got plenty. Well, it it te- it technically isn't an open world. I mean, it's it's much smaller uh, than an open world game, but it's yeah. Uh, I don't know what to compare it to, really. I, I can't. Uh, it's it's apparently there's four maps. There are four maps, and there are linear sections between them. And in and oh, so it's more like a God of War or a Zelda kind of. Yes, God God of War probably would be the close closest. Uh, Metro Exodus is one of those games I've not looked at much pre-release stuff for, because having loved the first one and yeah. really liked the second one, it was a step down for me, but I did really like it still. It's one of those games where I'm like, I know, I, I trust the developers enough, and of course I'm getting it for my work anyway. Um, mm. So I might as well just buy it and go in sight unseen and be surprised by it. So yeah, I, I haven't followed too much about exactly what dif- gameplay differences there are. I've heard enough to be excited for Friday. I'm going to be playing it and I will probably have a good time. Yeah. I saw a fair bit of footage. I saw like the reveal footage and stuff like that. I mean, it looks like Metro, which is fine by more than fine by me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to Metro. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to the new Far Cry. Like, I'm one of the few people who really liked Primal. So these spin off, these spin offy Far Cries. Mm. I say these. There's only been one so far, but I really dug Primal, unlike quite a few people. So I'm more interested in this than I am in a lot of regular Far Cry games. I think, um, given the way the gameplay has changed over the last um, few years, I feel like this setting they're doing this one in now is one that probably suits it more than the more serious settings they've been doing. I mean, it's always kind of had a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, but this one looks like they're ramping that up a lot. That's, I think that's what's attracted me to it, is... Because I think even Far Cry 5, like, it was, in my opinion, just a a very standard Ubisoft game. Yeah. Um, it didn't keep me playing. But I appreciated that it was getting a little wilder with its story and its premise and everything. It was just... Mm. It wasn't camp, but it was... It could very easily have been with a few more nudges, and this one looks like it might just be just be going like "fuck it," yeah. let's just. And and the fact that it is more of a spin-off at a cheaper price tells me they might be freer to just experiment a bit and give a bit less of a shit about trying to make it this you know perfectly Ubersofted Ubersoft game. So fingers crossed. But of course, it's coming at the same time as Exodus, so my time is finite. I know, Jesus. But I, I I think tonally as well this was suited because I felt that way with Blood Dragon as well or whatever it was called the Dragon one because because with Far Cry two with Far Cry two the really difficult brutal mechanics suited the darker much darker tone yeah, yeah. do you know the more and and now that it's gone really kind of this kind of fun freeform wacky gameplay all the time I feel like maybe the more lighthearted uh, tone will suit that more yeah you might well be right on that yeah is that a good, is that a good uh, place for us to wrap up I reckon 
One of those games could have come out on Tuesday. One of those could have come out on Tuesday, yeah. One of those games could have come out on Tuesday, and I wouldn't have to now wonder what the fuck I'm going to do with my Friday and how I'm going to portion that up. Not in <laughs> Ireland. We never get the fucking Tuesday releases in Ireland. We always have to wait till Friday while oh, everyone else hell. is playing on Tuesday. <laughs> I thought the world had moved past. I knew that was the case in Britain for a long time, but I yeah. thought the world had fucking moved on. No, there's so there's a lot of uh, games that come out on the Tuesday, and we still have to wait till the Friday. I, I will say, right though, news that just broke. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. Dark Siders Three, the awful Dark Siders yeah. Three, has met expectations. It hasn't sold below expectations <laughs> like most games. It has met oh. expectations. Well done so did it did everyone refund it was that what they were expecting or? i have no idea they, they sold as many as they thought they would poor old darksiders it's a series i've given chance so many times and it just never grabbed me i wish i loved it more yeah isn't that the thing laura it's got so many ingredients in it that i should love and it just never manages to grab me it's got all the parts that if you put them out on paper i would go that sounds like my thing and then it's never my thing it's it's the same as like kingdoms of amalur i've started that game three times and yeah. i can see there's so much in it that i like and that i should feel more motivated to finish it but for some reason it just loses me a few hours in yeah every, every time every time it just doesn't keep me grabbed anyway yeah I think I think that's all all our stuff on the list. I reckon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be directly injecting Metro into my veins all weekend, like heroin. So we'll have a lot a lot one. to talk about next week. Huzzah! <laughs> Gavin plays a new video game. Wow! For once. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I'm I'm like the person on this podcast who like brings up all the old games that are past their relevance. <laughs> well, we need someone like, to remind us that not every video game is the new one. New. Like last week I was droning on about Hitman for for ages and this week it's a it's a how old is a link to the past? It's like more than 20 years old now. Yeah. If anything Gav, you could say that you are a link to the past. Ah. <laughs> there we go. All right, Laura, how can people see your stuff on the internet when they're done listening to this lovely podcast? Me, Laura K. Buzz, on the internet in places where there are usernames. You can find me on kotaku.co.uk. Check out my my coverage of Leamington Spa and Guildford and, and B. De Molyneux and whatnot. Uh... I've got some books, Uncomfortable Labels, that's a memoir that's coming out in the summer. It will eventually release, I promise you. Uh, things I Learned from Mario's Butt, I've written that one. Um, I'm just waiting for the pretty pictures to be drawn. Other than that, I'm on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is a podcast where I do silly voices with my lovely fiancé, and we have a bit of a giggle. And Dice Funk, where I play various characters in a Dungeons & Dragons story um, on seasons 3, 4, and 5. So... I think that's the things. Okie dokie. And Gavin, you do great music when you're not being living in history times. How can people listen to that? Okie dokie panic. I am on YouTube under Miracle of Sound. I'm on Spotify and iTunes where you can hear my tunes. Uh, I have a new one coming out this week and it's a personal song. Yay. I'm starting. I want to do more personal songs this year because I don't see a lot of video games I'm interested in this year. So, uh, that's going to be a nice release because I didn't do any last year. And you can also find me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound. 
and you can find me on Instagram and you can support me on Patreon if you'd like to uh, help keep me in a job. Okay. Um, and I'll just say, I do know the difference between revenue and profit. I was trying to be too clever with the BuzzFeed bit in the Chimquisition this week and then missed a very crucial point um, that kind of fucked that bit up, um, which I'm very disappointed with because I was otherwise very proud of the video. Um, so you can save me your long sort of lectures about economics. Uh, I do know the difference. I've seen enough fucking shareholder reports in over 10 years. Um, I goofed. I goofed. And I'm not happy about it, actually. But uh, it is what it is, um, you know. I'm still, I still, it doesn't really change the video at all. Um, it just there's like four minutes in it that make me look a bit like I fucked something up, which I did. Um, but I do know the difference for the, everyone telling me with such smugness that I don't. Um, and that's it. Um, lots of spicy gymquisitions coming up still. Um, lots of interesting things. Getting back into long-form writing. So there's an article about Apex Legends and how it saved EA's ass on the gymquisition.com right now. Uh, we've also got some pogs of the month still um, for our limited edition pogs on the gymporium.com. You can still get those and lots of other great merch. And that'll be it. That'll be it. That's it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, thank you so much for your support. Uh, we will see you next time. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye.